All right, today's top fails. Getting up Tasia in your mm, tank. Mm, mm, mm. However, uh, if this is your first or second tank, the chances that you are gonna run into this problem is about a near certainty. <laughs> if you're a super pro level reefer, been doing this for 15 years, it is still oh, an yeah. undesirably high likelihood. Uh, so here's the thing, is it either can be like a little bump in your road of reefing, or it can completely take over your tank. In either case, we do have some solutions for you. In that spirit, today take all of the mistakes that we've learned in the past and arm you with the right tools to beat it so you can skip all of that hassle in the first place. One thing here is uh, some of you may not even know why you would care about Aptasia because it just looks like a tiny little harmless <laughs> anemone, right? Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is they grow to plague proportions. They'll take over the entire tank uh, and uh, left to their own devices, they'll sting all the other corals and uh, really kill a lot of other organisms in the tank. So we really want to catch this in the bud, and that is the reason why all of us talk about Aptasia all the time, and we really want to eradicate it from the tank. All right, so number one is actually that very thing, and understanding the difference of? Yeah, not understanding the difference between Aptasia eradication and Aptasia management. There's a difference between the two. One, I'm gonna completely wipe this thing out, which is probably precautionary based more than solving a problem after the fact. Uh, but it's the management portion that most of us are familiar with because once it's in the tank, it's in the tank. And then it just becomes a part of our daily uh, management of keeping it down to low numbers. So here's the thing, the Aptasia don't come out of thin air. There isn't a magic Aptasia fairy that put it in your tank. It came because you put it in there, yeah. right? Uh, and so there are some ways to make sure that you don't get it. Uh, one is for the most part, if you buy propagated corals, mm. you probably won't get it, at least from a reputable propagation facility. Mm. They have probably done the steps to make sure that it's not in their system so they don't spread it to you. Uh, and there is a difference between like real propagation where every Everything is grown in like a sterile facility and the other where we kind of take uh, wild corals and chop them up into bits right. and those things will probably have that and it's not really propagation even though it looks like it with tiny little frags so identify the difference there but really uh, like with an SPS tank this can be pretty easy to eradicate to never have it to begin with yeah uh, what I can do is take my little coral frags I get chop off the bases chuck them yeah. and only grew on the little nubbins right and if I do that, the chances that I'm gonna add Aptasia to the tank are super, super, super low. And yeah. Especially if I do my dips and stuff to get all the stuff off of them, even in the water, little droplets of water, the chances of an Aptasia being stuck on active tissue are near zero. So use dry rock, don't introduce it in any other way. And if you're just doing an SPS tank, this is probably really, really easy. LPS a little harder, right? Yeah, uh, you have the skeletal structures and these Aptasia can you know, grasp onto those skeletal structures and the coral might just look fine. Mm -hmm. uh, you might not see an Aptasia or, I mean, and they could be super tiny, uh, but in this case, you know, there's, as we're like dipping the corals and just inspecting the corals, uh, this is something to kind of pay attention to. And if you see one, uh, I mean, like if I had an LPS and a skeleton underneath with an Aptasia on it, I can easily just grab some like coral gums to cover the thing and be good. Yeah, so with LPS, really what you're going to do is quarantine the coral first because, you know, your, your philia, the skeleton structure could have it on there, your brain coral, all that kind of stuff. So anything has a rock inside the zoanthids, you know, so really you're just going to have to probably quarantine it if you really want to do eradication methods. Of course, just like a ick or a disease management eradication, 
that's like a whole nother skill level and stuff. So yeah. some of you are gonna do that. A lot of you are gonna follow some of the ideas that we have afterward just to like help manage it, be in the tank. But eradication quarantine is definitely the best path if you're up to it. All right, so number two, probably the most important thing with any issue you could run into the reef tank and leads to better success rates. Yeah, this is having a plan before you run into the problem. So the mistake here is like not knowing what Aptasia is, ways to treat it, ways to get rid of it, and ways to manage it, uh, which we're gonna share with you for the rest of these ones. If I could sum it up into three things, and again, I think this applies to almost any issue in the reef tank, know why I should care, what it looks like when I have the problem, mm. and then know ahead of time what I should do about it, I'll have way, way, way better success rates. So number three is actually the stupidest one of all, <laughs> but I've done it, you have done it, almost all of us have done it. What yeah, this is just buying that coral that you really want and really like, that already has Aptasia on it. So big mistake here, like, if you're trying to keep Aptasia out of your system, then why would you, you know, knowingly put it in your system? So uh, if you're going around the shops, you're going around looking at, you know, at your buddy's house or kind of looking at corals, uh, just avoid the ones that have Aptasia on them, if there's any at all. And even, even better, like if there's Aptasia in the system, maybe not just get coral from them. Yeah, so, I mean, it sounds silly to say it out loud like this, but if you don't want Aptasia in your tank, don't put a coral that has Aptasia on it in your tank. Uh, there's so many people have done that because mm. like, I don't know, it's on sale. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I just, it's the only cool one in the whole store. I just want to bring it home, I yeah. can't help it. I guarantee you, one day you will look back and say, why did I do that? So just don't do it, don't, but put corals that have active Aptasia on it in your tank, period. All right, so number two, super closely related <laughs> to this, almost the exact same thing. I kind of hinted to do it earlier, and this is buying a coral from a tank with Aptasia filled in it, or, you know, pieces of Aptasia may not be filled, they may be under a good management, you know, protocol where they're keeping it at bay, but it's got Aptasia in there. Once it's in there, it's in there. Okay, if I go to the fish store and the little bin that has all the coral in it is filled with Aptasia, even if that coral doesn't have it on it, mm -mm. Uh, it probably like visually doesn't have it on it, it almost certainly does. The bag of water that it comes in almost certainly does. There's just the chances that I'm gonna like introduce this to my tank is so high. Mm. I wanna have this tank for you know three, four, five, ten 10 years. There's no reason I need this coral so bad as to do that. Yeah. Okay, so that said, a lot of fish stores are gonna show signs of Aptasia. It's just a, you know, the reality of a lot of uh, corals coming in and out, especially LPS corals. So here's the thing though, you can care, right? So mm -hmm. if you just see Aptasia blown up all over the place, uh, I'm just gonna say it, the store just doesn't care, right? <laughs> if they keep a clean you know, tank and they make active uh, efforts to keep it out of there, they do care, and the chances you're gonna encounter this went down because they care. So look for stores and systems where they're actively trying to keep the pest down so you can actively keep them down in your house too. Okay, so number five, I'm sure that you're guilty of this one too because I have been, a lot of people are, and it's the most obvious, but people don't do it. Yeah, this is not removing the affected coral. Uh, so I've, I can see Aptasia on my little Zoa rock in my tank and I'm just not gonna take it out and do anything about it. So you're just leaving it in there to grow and flourish and thrive with everything else, uh, meaning that it could turn into a big problem later. Yeah, okay, so if you see uh, eight signs of it all over the tank, so be it, the ship sailed. But if this is the first time, I just added this coral like uh, last week, 
and now I see an Aptasia spout out. Take the coral out of the tank. Find a way. <laughs> Set up a quarantine tank. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, but you know, you can feel bad that you're like going to kill that coral if you just throw it in the trash mm. as well. But the reality is, is Aptasia is not going to kill just that coral. It's going to kill a whole bunch of other corals in your tank, right? Yep. It may even just make you so disinterested in your tank that you shut it down and kill everything. So, like, do some informed logic when you're deciding, when you see that first one. And, and by the way, most corals can actually live in a system that is set up pretty rapidly. Yeah. You know, as long as you don't put any fish and stuff in it and whatnot, you can actually get a quarantine system for, a ta uh, for corals up pretty fast. There's all kinds of articles all over the place oh, yeah. about doing it. So just get that thing out of there, treat it in there, and see if you can eradicate it before you just let it spread all over your tank. So related to that number six, this is probably the biggest mistake of the day, and you really should know this going up front, is uh, what? Yeah, this is not realizing that killing the Aptasia spreads the Aptasia. So uh, depending on which method you choose to try to eradicate it, some of them are just more prone to spread the problem even further because of stress. Yeah, so it's not that there isn't a way to kill it, it's just that a lot of the ways, the only thing it does is like, you know, kill it or spread out or pop it or whatnot and just all little babies come out. Make it then, mad. Yeah, so I go kill like 10 of them and then two weeks from now I have 100. Uh, they just come out of everywhere. So like be real careful with the approach that you take to actually trying to an attempt to kill the Aptasia. Okay, so number seven fail here. Yeah, if you do kill it, the mistake here is not considering how you kill it. So variety of different approaches. We're gonna get into a few of them here in the next few uh, fails, but there is you know, an approach to each one of these. Some we've seen more effective than others. Uh, so that's something to take into consideration before coming up with your plan to eradicate the Aptasia. All right, so I'm just gonna share my own personal belief. This isn't uh, like sent from God or anything. <laughs> uh, so this is the way that I would approach it. I've used like uh, Aptasia X before and put mm. it on there and it kills it and you put it on the oral disc and whatnot and hope for the best. I've actually seen it spread a lot that way. Mm. I've also used like Joe juice, which I think is just like Kelkwasser mixed in water. You know, the super high pH kills it. And there might be some lemon juice or something in there too, yeah. but I've seen that kill it, but I've also seen that spread it as well. So this is the way that I would do it in my own tank if I went to go kill one is I'd have two things ready. One, I'd have my like uh, Kelkwasser solution because I just, that's like most likely to actually kill it in my mm. opinion. Uh, and two, a little piece of epoxy. So I'm gonna use that needle to coax it to go back into its hole, then spray a heavy solution of uh, Kelkwasser in there and quick, you know, seal it off with epoxy, yeah. right? In that case, I think it has the highest likelihood of actually killing the Aptasia as well as encapsulating all the little babies in there and that super high pH will probably kill those too. Mm. So that is just the way that I would approach it. But just do some research before you just go killing it because you're likely to spread it. All right, so number eight, this one hits home for me too is... And this is not dealing with the issue as soon as you see the issue. So the first time you see Aptasia, don't uh, get lackadaisical here and not attack it. That last trick that you just gave is, is a good one for this, where uh, rather than have epoxy all over the tank after you know, Aptasia's taken over, the first time I see one, do the caulk paste, do the epoxy, and I may never see them again. Actually, 
take whatever that is out, right? <laughs> yeah. I, in my opinion, just take it out oh, of the yeah. tank is the best thing to mm. do. And then if you want, try to kill it in the, in the quarantine tank or whatnot. But in any of those cases, because I'll tell you on my very first 90 that I had, I had one little bit of Aptasia in there and it just sat actually in the dark. Yeah. And I just left it there because who cares? Yeah. Right? It doesn't seem to, I don't understand what people even care about this thing. Yeah. Right? And then three years later, boom, man, out of everywhere, they're all over there stinging everything. Hmm. And at that point, it's really hard to beat. You can beat it, but it's really, really hard. Dealing with it when you see the first signs of it is the easiest point at which you can conquer this. All right, so number nine. The mistake here is assuming that there's an insta-cure. So uh, it didn't take you that long to get into a, a massive eruption of Aptasia. It's probably not gonna be an instant overnight cure, maybe even not even a week, maybe not even a month, uh, but there is a path out. Yeah, so here's the thing. We talk about this a lot with algae. It took you like four months to get into your algae problem. It's yeah. gonna take you four months to get out. I'd apply that same logic here. It took you a long time to build up this Aptasia problem. So if you got like Aptasia growing all over the place, probably pretty sad. And you're like, oh man, I'm getting beat. <laughs> so if you go into it thinking that there's some magic cure and I'm gonna solve it next week, you're gonna be pretty darn disappointed. Uh, if you're like, man, you know what? All I really care is there's less of it every single month and like a year from now, man, it's gone. It's no longer a problem for me. Yeah. You're probably gonna be really happy. And at the end of the year, you have this really thriving, awesome reef tank again. So like, uh, you just have to kind of like not care. <laughs> you know, that, that it's in there for a while and so be it. I'm gonna do my best and I'm just gonna beat it over time. Uh, it's a little harder to beat than just like something as simple as algae. So have proper expectations and you won't be disappointed. In fact, it will increase the success rates. All right, so number 10, we mentioned a little bit already, but we're gonna get into some of the solutions here, and it is. Yeah, this is not considering uh, epoxy and its beneficial use to keeping this uh, uh, Aptasia within the rocks. So something that, uh, again, works, uh, in my opinion, uh, works best, you know, initially when you first see like the one, two, three, five, ten, 10, uh, when it's manageable and you can have, you have all these places to put epoxy. Uh, when it gets to, you know, proportions like we had in the 160 where it's just everywhere, walls, ground, rocks, then in between corals, this becomes a, a less of a viable option. Yeah, so there's a couple ways you can use epoxy. So in the 160, by the way, we had that mentality and it's been there for a year and finally we're seeing the other side of it. Yeah. Some of you have probably seen uh, some of the uh, uh, videos that I've uploaded recently to like uh, Facebook or hashtag Aspirus TV. You can see you know, how well the tank's really doing. But like there was areas where there's just tons of Aptasia and all we did is just coat the whole thing with a sheet of epoxy. They all died. You come and peel it off later and now you got new fresh new rock. And you just kind of keep doing that in different areas. And then thinking about the epoxy as a tool that's not alone. I'm not just going to put some epoxy in there, but maybe if it's in a hole, I can, you know, put some of that Joe's juice or my own Kelkwasser slurry that I'm going to create or I could take some uh, you know BRS uh, super glue, the gel. Mm. You know, kind of coax into a hole, fill it up, and then put the epoxy over the top. And you can always peel the epoxy back off, especially if you use that Toons uh, coral gum, which is yeah. what we use, because it's really easy, kind of pliable to get off. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more expensive, but uh, I feel like right tool, right job here, just because it's easier to get off, which is the goal. Right. Uh, so really think about how you can use that epoxy. But the big thing is, is kind of like suffocating it, not letting it get to light, and really just one of the best ways that I think you can go about killing the Aptasia in your tank. All right, so number 11 is one you hear a lot. Yeah, this is uh, not understanding peppermint shrimp. And, uh, you know, 
They do, and they have been, a bunch of them have been proven to, you know, go after and attack and eat Aptasia. Uh, but in my experience, and in ours too, like with limitations. So uh, high, you know, high energy, high flow reef tank, uh, specifically in those cases, when you, when you go look at the peppermint shrimp, they're like hanging under shelves. They're just kind of like rocking back and forth. They, they just hang out there the majority of the day. It might come out a little bit at night and, and you can see like some Aptasia disappear. Uh, but when you throw 250 in the tank in hopes that it's just gonna solve the problem, Probably not gonna. Yeah, we did that. So, uh, you know, it's just like, hey man, it doesn't, isn't working. Let's throw 250, but you know, you gotta think about the organism's behavior, yeah. right? And so it does not, the, the peppermint shrimp do not go out into super high flow areas of the tank. They do like the un hanging out underneath the uh, rock work. They do like lower flows areas of the tank. Mm -hmm. And you just look at the creature and you can see immediately why. It's kind of delicate, yeah. little legs. So, you know, I, don't, I can guarantee this would work, but you can start thinking outside the box. Like if that's the case, and I really want my peppermint shrimp to work. Well, maybe at night I can crank my flow way down. Maybe not the greatest thing for the corals at the time, but maybe the greatest thing to help try to beat this battle so they're a little bit more willing to roam mm. around the tank. You can try it out. You can go watch the tank at night and, and see if that is actually the case. Yeah. Uh, you can try different things. So I've actually seen them totally wipe out the Aptasia in some tanks, like mm -hmm. one of our frag tanks here. And another thing you might want to consider is there's uh, some debate out there. Is there are different types of peppermint shrimp uh, mm. out there. Maybe uh, <laughs> keeping the peppermint shrimp hungry uh, will do yeah. something. But maybe you want to try ordering uh, the peppermint shrimp from a couple of different vendors. Uh, you know, I don't really know if there's like a specific species or how you'd identify them. Uh, nobody's told me anyway. Hit or miss. Uh, but you might want to try from a different couple locations if that's going to be the tool that you're going to use. All right, so number 12 is actually not considering a certain type of fish. Yeah, this is not considering the file fish. Uh, again, this is kind of one of those that can be hit or miss. Some, we've had some file fish in the 160 and other tanks that just didn't enjoy Aptasia. And then we've had some recently, uh, the three that are in the 160 have been putting back the Aptasia pretty well. So, and you can actively watch them eat them. So file fish can really help. Yeah, they just swim around, suck them right up, mm -hmm. right? So one of the things you might notice is they may not do that for the first uh, four or five months you own them. It may not <laughs> want to eat those things. It just kind of figures it out one day, there's a tasty little snack on the rock. Yeah. And once it just tries one, oh, look, they're all over the place. Yep, yep. Uh, so yeah, like just, you have to have some patience with one of those things, you add it in, like it's just part of your overall solution. And it might be part of the overall win in the end or the biggest part, but in the beginning, just have a little bit of patience because uh, it has to learn that that's gonna be part of its diet in here. And keeping them hungry in the beginning might actually help with that. I can explore, you know, not feeding the tank for a little bit and uh, see if that helps. Okay, so number 13 is actually not understanding another livestock tool that you can use for this. Yeah, this is not understanding Bergia nudibranch. So we picked ours up from Salty Underground. Uh, we got some big ones we, uh, that are, you know, like some breeding size, and we got some smaller ones which attack a lot of different sizes of uh, Aptasia. Uh, and we threw them in the 160, saw some success with them. Not all the, the not the number one uh, path to success for us, uh, but it was one of the tools that we, we could use. And now we actually have a small little tank in the office here in the CS that we continually breed some Bergia nudibranch because they are pretty good at uh, you know, reproducing themselves. And so now, if somebody has Aptasia, we've got a su supply that we can just put in a tank. 
Yeah, so this is one of those things where you see different results in different tanks. So some of the tanks here at the office, you see the exact same organism coming out of the exact same little breeding tank, totally wipe out all of the aptasia in the tank. And then in the 160, it just didn't wipe them out. Yeah. But it's part of the overall solution in the end. And one of the things is you got to understand, like, again, it took us a year to get there. They're not going to wipe them out all in the next week. Right. And you're going to see that they're going to take them out over time. They're going to breed. They're going to grow. They're going to eat them. And one of the things, sadly, is they don't particularly like super high flow areas of the right. tank. So if you got a really high flow tank, they'll be less successful in those high flow areas. So you might need a different tool, couple of that, or you may have to just explore lowering your flow if you really want to beat this. But this is definitely one of those things where you're going to have to change your expectations. If I'm going to add some Bergia and I expect a week from now that they're all gone, nope. Mm -hmm. But if I expect six months from now that I've made a huge dent in this, it's probably going to achieve that set of expectations. 14 is actually the least successful for me, but I know some people have a lot of success. Yeah, this is uh, not understanding the use of a copper band butterfly or those type of marginalized butterflies. So uh, in the frag system, when we had the peppermint shrimp, the success with the peppermint shrimp, there was also a copper band in there. And it was part of the solution for getting it out of there. But again, a delicate fish that if it's not, and this is kind of goes back to the file fish, like they may not eat Aptasia right off the bat. They may not be uh, trained to eat them. So this is a delicate fish that you have to you know, take into account its dietary needs and keeping up with it, taking care of it. And then the high flow you know, reef system that we tried uh, one in the 160, just didn't work. They don't seem to like high flow, and yours might, but uh, our experience is they don't. They also are really finicky or skittish eaters, so they'll eat a lot of things, but they won't if other things are bothering them. So mm. a tank that has a lot of fish in it, they don't do uh, real well in many times. And like you can always get it over the over the crack. But we talked about fish in another uh, episode. Yeah. And you know one of those things is this is an experienced fish for experienced reefers. And some of the people that I've seen successful with them put the most effort into it. One of the guys I saw have the most success actually drilled out a little feeding apparatus and he'd fill it or drilled some holes in the top that only its little snout could go through. Oh, yeah. right? And then would pipe in mysis shrimp in there so that it was in the corner and eventually the other fish would figure out that this wasn't a viable place for them to eat and right. leave it alone and then uh, the copper band would come over and eat. So if you're willing to do that for the next decade, uh, maybe it's a viable <laughs> option, uh, or at least a point where it's willing to eat out in the open. But it's a really delicate fish, and I just say that the success rates just are really low. I would try all the other things before I tried this one, mm -hmm. even if your buddy says, no, 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 it worked for me. It's just a really low percentage uh, success rate just for the fish itself. All right, so number 15 here is actually, if we package a couple of those things together in the beginning, what would happen? Yeah, the, the mistake here is not realizing the uh, utilitarian uh, and cleanup crew capabilities of these types of uh, critters. So peppermint shrimp, yeah, maybe put some in there before you get corals. Filefish, you can feed them pretty easily. They, uh, they eat prepared foods, so put a couple in there beforehand. Uh, the other ones, you know, probably hit or miss. I, w I wouldn't put them in there. I wouldn't put a copper bander uh, Bergie in there, uh, unless I had a specific job for him, or I was ready to handle their nutritional needs. Uh, but other than that, you, know, you can think about this as cleanup crew, just like your snails and other utilitarian fish that you put in the tank before you even add corals. Yeah, so you might actually, or almost certainly will, adaptation to the tank 
you're never even going to see it mm. because that little file fish is swimming around eating them. The peppermints are sneaking out at night eating them and whatnot. So, you know, put a lot of thought into whether or not if I'm probably going to run into this, rather than try to treat the issue after the fact, I can put the solutions in before they go in and they'll be more likely to keep these things at bay and at least dramatically lengthen the period between where it becomes a real issue. So number 16 is actually a double-edged sword here. So what is it? <laughs> yeah, the mistake here is not understanding food. So uh, you're constantly feeding things into your tank. You're feeding the fish, you're feeding the corals, you're broadcast feeding, uh, you know, different things. Uh, and the Aptasia love to eat. So mm -hmm. they, would, they will eat on this type of stuff. So if you're thinking about, I'm actively feeding my corals, I'm actively feeding my fish, you should also be thinking about, I'm also actively feeding my uh, Aptasia problem. Yeah, so if you're like dumping in aminos and uh, reef roids and all that kind of stuff in there, there is a pretty good chance that you're feeding a lot of the Aptasia. It's been my experience anyway, that tanks mm. that have uh, those types of foods uh, added to them tend to explode that population faster. So, you know, maybe a little bit more effort in other areas to combat that because the corals absolutely benefit. And so it's a double-edged sword here. Just gotta find the balance. But if you're just finding out that you're exploding them, scale back on the foods to some degree, mm -hmm. and at least until the corals are not showing negative signs and understand that you are feeding them with those foods. So number 17, this is a little anecdotal for me. I can't tell you for sure it's true. It's just been my experience, yeah. but. Yeah, the mistake here is not realizing that uh, Aptasia gets stressed and when they get stressed, they probably will just release a whole bunch of babies and start taking over. So, uh, you know, they're trying to reproduce themselves because they're stressed. And uh, we've seen it in the BRS 160 when we started to actively try to attack them and kill them every single day. They seem to get stressed out and fill up the tank even more. Yeah, so I don't know the exact mechanism behind all this. I could guess for a little while, but a lot of tanks that are just doing poorly in general, all of a sudden have these total aptasia outbreaks, mm. right? Uh, we saw it in the 160 when we tore out the sand. Yes. Had a total destabilization event. There was always aptasia in there, but it was like manageable. It was always not a problem. And then boom, out of nowhere, they're all over the place. True. So, you know, it just seems to be, maybe it's like a, the core line coverage gets thinner and so it can take over available real estate. Hmm. One of the things too we've discussed is Definitely when the tank was destabilized, the corals are uptaking way less uh, nitrogen and phosphorus out of the water, right. which now makes it available to the anemones, right? Which yeah. uh, the Aptasia has just exploded. So I don't know the exact mechanism for it, but it's been my experience that stressed out, unstable tanks tend to uh, grow Aptasia like wildfire. All right, so number 18, we get asked about this one a lot actually. Yeah, so uh, some reefers are trying out different uh, eradication methods, lasers being one of them, and I think it's complete garbage. I've tried it myself even. Uh, I mean, there was so, something so satisfying about, you know, putting the laser on the Aptasia and you can hear some popping and noises in the tank and then watching them retract. Uh, but the power of the laser and the focus of the laser to get all the way down into the foot and completely burn it and eradicate it, chances are that probably got its foothold down in a hole somewhere that you can't even reach with the laser. Uh, and it's just, you know, all it, it, what it winds up doing is going back to the last one. We were talking about stress and I've seen the negative effect of that by trying to do a laser. I got an explosion. Okay. Most expensive way 
Uh, also, most garbage way. Uh, <laughs> I would not bother with the laser at all. You watch them pop. It's yeah. fun, maybe, because those little bastards. <laughs> but uh, I would not use that thing at, at all. It's also a safety issue for anybody oh, yeah. in your home uh, because you got to wear special glasses so it'll burn your eyes. You know, you don't want uh, your kid to pick it up, shoot in their own eyes, your pet's eyes, or whatever. Mm. So it's an unsafe tool that does absolutely nothing in our tanks. Okay, so number 19. A lot of people are making this mistake. Yeah, the mistake is overlooking the sump and the fuge as a part of the tank. I mean, we all, they all share the same water, and so as much as Aptasia could be in the display, they're probably and almost very likely to be in the sump, the fuge, and other places throughout the entire tank. Uh, absolutely, we saw this everywhere in the BRS-160. So for sure, if you have a fuge, uh, there's not a lot of competition for it. So it'll grow all over the like uh, Ketomorpha yeah. and whatnot in there. But even if you don't have a fuge, don't be surprised. Even that super dark area that gets no light, mm -hmm. you see a bunch of Aptasia growing. And this is one of those areas where you can know that feeding your tank is quite obviously feeding the Aptasia oh, because yeah. it wouldn't survive down there without it. Often it's kind of clear or whatnot, yeah. but uh, yeah. So what you're gonna wanna do is make sure you eradicate it from the sump, which is really the easiest place to get it out of there. Uh, in fact, one of the things you could just do to get it out of your sump is just take your system offline for a couple hours and drain it. Oh, yeah. it spray it with some hydrogen peroxide and clean the sump out as part of maintenance and then fill it back up, right? Uh, you won't have eradicated Aptasia from your tank, but you eradicate it from a big portion of the tank being the sump. Okay, so number 20 for me is actually just unrealistic expectations is yeah. the biggest fail. It's going to take a combined approach to keep this all at bay. And if you do a lot of this stuff, especially if you do it before it's a problem, it will never be the problem that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it does become it, like just have proper expectations. Don't get mad when it's like gone, not gone in a month. Don't get mad when it's not gone in three, as long as you're seeing progress because it's really easy to get disheartened. I can tell you from looking at the 160, it was really sad. And it just <laughs> felt like we were never gonna beat it. Yep. But we kept applying efforts, and now I'm in the tank is doing awesome. So just note that it's just about the journey and where you're going, and don't think about how I need to solve this tomorrow, because if you think that way, you're just gonna be disappointed. Okay, so if there's one thing that I'd like you to take away from today, more important than all others, it's never ever add a coral from a tank that has Aptasia in it that you can see. I mean, never ever, I mean, under no circumstances ever think that that's okay. Just skip it and you'll be so much happier in the end. The biggest takeaway for me here is day one, when you see that first piece of Aptasia, get it out of the tank. Do whatever it takes to get rid of it uh, before it turns into like a year long problem that takes you a year to get out of. This is something that we learned the hard way on the BRS-160, but we're actively fighting it back and we've made almost a complete turnaround. To see how that's going, check out this video right here.